All right, uh, this morning we're going to continue uh, in a series called The Power of God uh, Displayed in Man. And uh, I'd, I'd love, you know, one, one of the things you can do is you can look at all the songs that we sing and you can actually look for the, the, the Bible verses that actually back up what they say. And there was one that kind of stuck out to me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So whenever we feel weak, whenever we feel, uh, you know, in, incompetent, uh, you know, it's really God uh, that's going to make up the difference. <clears throat> now, um, uh, do we have any visitors here that do not have a Bible? First-time visitors that don't have a Bible, because we have some extra Bibles in the back. Anybody just raise your hand? Okay, everybody has got a Bible. Most of the verses that I'm going I'm to uh, go through, uh, you know, are going to be on the screen. Uh, right, Matt? Yes, he's nodding his head, yes. Uh, but in terms of your, uh, you know, your home, if you don't have a Bible at home, then we'd be happy to, to give you one. You can take it with you, and, and that's our, our thanks for you visiting us today. So, uh, first of all, let's, uh, we're going to be in, in 1 Samuel. So if you know where 1 Samuel is in your Bible, it's the uh, five, eight, ninth book in the Bible. You've got five books that Moses wrote called the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then you got a, a, a section of, of uh, what happens when they went in, when they first went into the Promised Land. Uh, and that's Joshua, Judges, and then you get another story about Ruth. Uh, but we're going to be in uh, 1 Samuel. Uh, and let's, first of all, let's set the stage for our text this morning. Um, first of all, Samuel was the high priest. Uh, he became high priest after Eli uh, died. Uh, but he was also the last judge of Israel. So remember, uh, there was 400 years of, of judges in Israel. Uh, men did what was right in their own eyes, and, uh, and then God, God put them under bondage, and then they would cry out to the Lord, he would, he would rescue them, and then they'd go through the, the, this, this valley and mountains for 400 years they did this. Uh, you would think they would learn. Um, but before we judge them, let's look at our own lives and find out you know, how many hills and valleys we have in our own life. Um, okay, and in verse 8, Israel demanded uh, that Saul anoint a king to judge over them like the other nations. They didn't, they didn't see, they couldn't see God, and what they wanted was somebody that they could see. In other words, they didn't, they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. Uh, and so God directed, in, in chapter 10, God directed Samuel to anoint Saul to be the king. And the Spirit of God came powerfully over Saul. Saul was, you recall reading, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. And in terms of his uh, being a warrior, um, it said, there was a phrase in there that Saul has killed his thousands. So evidently he was very powerful uh, as well. And now he was a reluctant uh, king, but uh, we know that power corrupts. If you're working in the flesh and you forget about God, power corrupts. And such was the case. Uh, in 1 Samuel 13, the Philistines declared war on Israel and Saul assembled his army. Now, he was told by, by Samuel to wait for Samuel to sacrifice you know, before he went into battle. But he was, uh, he saw, you know, the enemy was approaching and he said, uh, I don't know whether Samuel's going to get here or not, so I'm going to do it myself. And so what he did is he Sacrifice. Now, if you knew about uh, the purpose of the, uh, the Levites, it was their responsibility to do sacrifices, and nobody else was supposed to. God set them apart for that purpose. Uh, and so, uh, 
So at any rate, um, Samuel Lynn uh, declared that Saul's reign would not endure. In other words, what he was doing, he was making, uh, making shortcuts. Uh, in chapter uh, 14, God allowed Israel to rout the Philistines anyway. So yes, he was disobedient, but God's heart was for the nation of Israel, not, not necessarily for Saul. So Saul wasn't going to be king, but, uh, but Israel was delivered. Chapter 15, God told Saul through Samuel to annihilate the Amalekites. And uh, so their king was, was Agag. You know, we, we ran into him as we, were, as we were going through the book of uh, Esther on Sunday nights. Uh, we, we finished it just recently. You know, Pastor Jim was, was, uh, was teaching through that. But Saul saved King Agag along with all the plunder. So uh, God then rejected Saul as king because of his disobedience. So in chapter 16, uh, the Spirit of the Lord left Saul uh, after God had rejected him uh, as king. And then God directed Samuel to bypass. He told him to go to, to Bethlehem, go to, the, the, uh, go to Jesse, uh, because he was going to anoint one of uh, Jesse's sons uh, to be the next king. He didn't tell him who, so he brought up his oldest, Eliab. And, and he, brought, he went down through, he had eight sons. And... So Samuel say, oh, this guy is big and huge. You know, he must be the one. No, no, he's not the one. Second, no, he's not the one. Third, he's not the one. Finally, it, uh, all seven sons that were there, uh, Samuel say, well, do you have any other sons? And he said, well, uh, yeah, my youngest is out taking care of sheep. Well, fetch him in here. We're not going to have dinner until he comes. And so uh, David came and he was anointed. They didn't know what he was anointed for. But he was anointed in God's eyes and in Samuel's eyes, he knew what he was doing, um, that he would be the next king. Well, that brings us to chapter 17. So uh, if you turn in your Bibles to uh, chapter 17, we're going to be reading through there. Uh, if you had one of those new Bibles, I, I actually checked, and that starts on page uh, 247. Uh, <laughs> a lot of good it does you, right? Um, now, this is the power of God displayed in man. And uh, David was facing a giant problem in his life. And of course, we know that that giant's name was Goliath. Now, you all know the story. And so please don't say, all right, I know that. I can go to sleep now. Uh, there's, there's things different here. But it's going to th have things that apply to our life today. Uh, that it, it's what we want to see. And so... Uh, um, so there's uh, some lessons here, but if we look and ask why God worked powerfully in David's life, we will see what it takes for God to work powerfully in each one of our lives. So remember the, uh, the sequence here, you know, continuing on what uh, Pastor Ken has been, been working on, with the power of God displayed in man. So let's, let's pray before we get started. Heavenly Father, I, I just pray that you would... Uh, Help us to look through your word, this, this chapter 17, in a, in a different uh, attitude, one that is looking for applications to our own life uh, and rather than just a history lesson. So, Lord, we, uh, we pray that you would uh, particularly help us to be able to see uh, that problems that we have in our own lives uh, you know, may have been there to wake us up to something that was wrong in our lives, 
or maybe it was just a test to find out whether or not we were we were serious about our walk with you but lord we we pray that you would uh, speak to each one of our hearts and lord even though uh, uh, john armstrong isn't here lord i, I pray that you'd be working uh, you know in his heart right now and as uh, uh, jim swan is is home uh, communion with you just in his spirit lord i just pray that you'd uh, you'd pray you'd, you'd work uh, you know especially in his heart as well and we'll just thank you in jesus name amen all right um, all right, I've already mentioned uh, one thing, but uh, so without any, any text to go with it, I'm going to say that there are eight principles here. Number one is the presence of the Holy Spirit is necessary for God's power in your life and in my life. Uh, without the Holy Spirit, uh, we're, we're not going to be directed by God. We'll be able to do something, but it, it won't be as good as what God uh, would want us to do. So uh, so in chapter 16, uh, I mentioned that the Spirit of God had left Saul and that the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day forward. Now, they were talking about Old Testament times. There were times when God's Spirit would go to a person. Uh, he would be able to do something, and, and then it would leave him uh, because maybe he was just too rebellious for God to work with. Uh, in the New Testament time, when God adopts us as children, the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and it's permanent. So, uh, but we need to have the Holy Spirit. Now, so the question is, maybe, maybe some of us either don't have, or we know somebody who doesn't have uh, the Holy Spirit in their life. Now, so we look at uh, John chapter 3. You know, it's a, it's a great chapter for uh, us to understand, to be able to present to others, because Jesus is talking to a ruler of the Jews, a person who is very religious, and that's Nicodemus. And what he says is that whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. So we're all born of the flesh. You know, I got flesh, you do. Uh, the pastor says, you know, cut any one of us and we bleed red. So, And that you must be, uh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. So flesh is different from spirit. In other words, my attitude, uh, my heart, my heart's desire is different from what my flesh wants to do. So whatever born of the, uh, the spirit is spirit, do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. So people wonder, what, what, what does born again mean? And a lot of people don't like the term born again. They'll say, well, uh, you know, I just, I had a new experience. Uh, you know, I, I learned how to I learned how to fix the toaster in my, in my kitchen. I'm born again. You know, I'm, I know how to do things new. No, it's not the same thing. We're talking about born spiritually, born of the Spirit. And in Acts 1.8, Jesus promised, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You know, we're talking about the power of God in our life. It's necessary to have the Holy Spirit in your life. And uh, in Romans 15.13, now may the God of hope Whenever we have a problem, the question is, where's our hope? The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with a hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So remember that, that song I said, you know, the, the joy uh, that he wants to give us. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So it's not how I feel today. It's not whether or not I'm sick. Uh, I forgot to mention that uh, Nick uh, might be here, uh, except that he... For some reason or other, decided to break a, a bone in his foot uh, this week. Or Ben, rather. What did I say? 
Nick. Okay, sorry, Nick. <laughs> no. So Ben, yes. And so uh, you know how active Ben is, and, and it's his right foot. Uh, whether or not he can drive with a cast on his right foot, I don't know. Uh, talk about a lead foot, you know, that might, might run into. <laughs> so anyway, the first step to having the power of God displayed in our life is to be born of the Spirit and allow Him to direct our life. Uh, number two, we need to stay in close fellowship with God. You can have the Holy Spirit in your life, but if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, then you're not going to do what God wants you to do. So now I'll start reading in First Samuel, Samuel chapter 17, verses 1, and I'll read through verse 11. The Philistines gathered their forces for war at Soko in, in, Jude, in Judah and camped between Soko and Ezekiel and uh, in Ephesdamim. Now, and these are regions of Judah. They actually invaded Judah to do this. Saul and the men of Israel gathered uh, and camped in the valley of Elah, and they were lined up in battle formation to face the Philistines. So there was this valley in between these, these two ranges of hills. Uh, the Philistines were on the north side, the uh, Israelites were on the south side, and in between there was this, this dry uh, riverbed. Uh, they call them wadis. Uh, the reason why I mention that is because I'm going to mention that later, uh, that David actually picked a few stones out of the wadi, and you say, what in the world's a wadi? Well, that's, that's on the way to, to meeting Goliath. So, uh, so the Philistines were standing on one hill, and the Israelites were standing on another hill with a ravine between them. Then a champion named Goliath from Gath came out from the Philistine camp. He was nine feet, nine inches tall, and wore a bronze helmet, and bronze scale armor that weighed 125 pounds. Uh, I know our, our son Tim is in special forces, and they, they go around with a 50-pound sack on their back, you know, jumping and doing all kinds of crazy things. You know, we'd have trouble with 50 pounds. So yeah, it was 125 pounds. There was bronze armor on his shins, and a bronze javelin with, was slung between his shoulders, and his uh, spear shaft was like a weaver's beam. And the iron point of the spear weighed 15 pounds. In addition, a shield-bearer was walking in front of him. He stood and shouted to the Israelite battle formations, Why do you come out to line up in battle formation? He asked them, Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose one of your men and have him come down against me. If he wins in a fight against me and kills me, we will be your servants. But if I win against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. Then the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel today. Send me a man so we may fight each other. When Saul and all Israel heard these words from the Philistine, they lost their courage and were terrified. So here's this guy almost nine feet tall. Now we have people today that are that, are that tall. Uh, I mean, it's not unusual, but this guy was not only tall, but he was big, and he was strong. Now, to look at him is to be afraid. Now, God gave us these emotions for our own protection, but he didn't give us emotions to, to guide our lives. He gave us the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. So the question, are you going to be guided by your emotions, or are you going to be guided by the Holy Spirit? Now, what we see here, just, just forget about Goliath. What we see here is that there are really three giants. 
in their lives at that time. They had doubt. They had fear and worry. So Saul had lost the power of God and, and knew that, you know, I mean, he didn't have the courage to, to face Goliath. He would have been the champion. The champion is somebody who stands in between you and your problem. And so Jesus is our champion now. And, you know, he's saying Not, nothing can match uh, my power. Uh, at this time, they were looking at the flesh and they were saying, I can't, I can't manage, you know, I can't, I can't match uh, Goliath. You know, each doubted their own strength to fight Goliath. Um, they were afraid that they would lose. Well, they're probably certain that they would lose. And they worried about the outcome. Uh, every once in a while, you know, we, we run into a person who says, I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die. The doctor tells me, you know, I've got, I got a short time to live. I am worried about my wife. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about... They were worried about their families, too. What all happens in this battlefield if I were to fight Goliath and lose? So, uh, now God really has a better life for us. For us. So we're reading uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear... That's not why the Holy Spirit is there, to make you afraid. That's our emotions that make us afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. And uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, that's God, and He will direct your paths. And if you say, I don't know what to do. I'm lost here. What, what possibly could I do? Well, James 1, 7. Now, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. In other words, he's not going to make fun of us. He's not going to say, stupid, I've mentioned this to you ten times before, this is what you ought to do. He doesn't do that. He's very patient with us. He wants us to learn. Now, unless we have fellowship with God and know he is by our side to, to do through us what we can't do ourselves, we will give up and defeat you know, just as, just as the Israelite army did against these three giants. They didn't see it. What they saw was a man who was nine feet tall. But their real problem was doubt, fear, and worry. So, uh, and, and usually what we think is an insurmountable problem actually ends up being a few of these things. It's never just one thing. But if you ask God, God, what can I learn from this problem? He'll say, well, start on this one first. Faith. You know, that's, that's the opposite of doubt. And, you know, in each one of these things, Lord, uh, you know, what can I learn? Now that I've learned that, what, what's next? What's next? What's next? And every time we understand, you know, each one of these giants, giants and we get scripture to quote to ourselves, we won't fall for it the next time. And if we do, we'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got to get back to recalling that memory verse. And it's, uh, it's all the promises of God that matter. So, uh, so unless we have fellowship with God and know these by our side, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to you know, overcome these. And uh, we won't be able to get through our insurmountable problem. What we look at is impossible. Uh, now, in Israel's case, of course, that was, that was Goliath. Okay, number three. Uh, Use problems as opportunities to learn to trust God and to see his power. See, I say, I don't know what to do. Well, 
go to God and, and find out what he wants you to do. But let, let's look at what, uh, what our scriptures say here. Starting in verse 12, we'll go to 16. Now David was the son of the Ephrathite uh, from Bethlehem of Judah named Jesse. Jesse had eight sons, and during Saul's reign was already an old man. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war, and their names were Eliab, the firstborn, Abinadab, the next, and uh, Shammah, the third. And David was the youngest. So those three were the ones that were in the battle. Uh, you had to be at least 20 years old to be in the army, uh, according to uh, you know, what they did. So if you were considered uh, you know, a youth, uh, we're, we're talking you know, you're less than 20 years old. And uh, we'll see that's what they saw about David. So the three oldest had followed Saul, but David kept going back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock in Bethlehem. Uh, you found out earlier that, that David uh, you know, played the, the lyre, uh, musical instrument, and uh, Saul had an evil spirit in him. God had taken the Holy Spirit from him. He had an evil spirit, and David would soothe him you know, with the music. So... Uh, And then we find out that every morning and evening, you know, getting back to the battle, every morning and evening for 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand. Every day. Twice a day, morning and evening. And this fear is gripping them. So this same doubt, fear, and worry nag them. And I'm sure when, you, you know, when you're in a situation, and you can't sleep. So... All this time, they haven't been able to sleep for 40 days. And they saw no way out. Now Saul and the army were facing yet another giant that was named Discouragement. I don't know what to do. What do I do? What do I do? I don't know. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We claim this first. We need to claim this first. Claim this first. You know, whenever we have a problem that's insurmountable. No temptation, no trial, has come upon you except what is common to humanity. Uh, your problem is not unique. Uh, there's no, and you, and you shouldn't say, oh, I don't want to admit this problem because, you know, that'll prove that I am a failure. Well, you're a failure like we're all failures. Uh, it's not unique. It's common to humanity. But God is faithful and he will allow you, he will not allow you, to be tried or tempted beyond what you are able. I don't believe really ever thought about that in terms of pain. You know, if you just cramp your leg on purpose and just leave it there, it turns out the pain goes away. So, I mean, you now God's not going to do that uh, beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way out. So... You get caught on a traffic circle and you say, how do I get out of here? You know, cars are, cars are coming in on me. Uh, there's a way out. And you say, if you don't know the way out, that God will give you a way out so that you may be able to bear it. Uh, when God chastises us, he doesn't keep doing it. It's, it's done for a while so that you understand uh, that there are consequences to doing things that are wrong, but he doesn't keep doing it. He... Uh, in other words, there's, there's a punishment, but then there's a, a forgiveness, providing we learn, learn from it, of course. So the Holy Spirit is one that's supposed to be showing us the way out. 
All right, now number four. Um, I want power in my life. You know, you'll find out that there are people in the Bible who tried to buy the Holy Spirit's power. Uh, well, you can't buy the spirit of the power of God, and you can't solve spiritual problems uh, just by buying a book or something like that. It, it's God that works in us, not not some material thing that we've we've been able to get a hold of. So, uh, continuing to read in uh, verses 17, uh, going to uh, 25. So one day Jesse had told his son David, take this half bushel of roasted grain along with these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Also take these ten portions of cheese to the field commander, check on the well-being of your brothers, and bring a confirmation from them. Simple request. All right, here's what happened. They were all with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. Well, they weren't fighting yet. They were just kind of yelling at each other. So David got up early in the morning, left the flock with someone to keep it, loaded up, and set out as Jesse had charged them. He arrived at the perimeter of the camp as the army was marching out to its battle formation, shouting their battle cry. Israel and his Philistines, Israel and the Philistines lined up in battle formation facing each other. And David left his supplies in the care of the quartermaster and ran to the battle line. When he arrived, he asked his brothers how they were. And while he was speaking with them, suddenly the champion named Goliath, the Philistine from Gath, came forward from the Philistine battle line and shattered his usual words, which David heard. So this is, this is brand new uh, news to him. When all the Israelite men saw Goliath, they retreated from him and were terrified. So previously, an Israelite man had declared, Do you see this man who keeps coming out? He comes to defy Israel. The king will make uh, the man who kills him very rich and will give him his daughter. And the king will also make the family of that man's father uh, exempt from paying taxes in Israel. Hey, a small price for the, for the king to pay. Now, he can't do it anymore. And he's hoping he can buy somebody to, uh, to do what he can't do because he doesn't have the Spirit of God in him anymore, the power of God. Okay, now we see the problem has escalated. So the army of Israel was not only terrified, but they were in a retreat. So they were, they were backing away from the whole thing. So they were facing another giant called failure. You, just, you, know, you, you deal with discouragement long enough, and then you finally decide, I am a failure. I've tried this before. I can't do this. I don't know whether you've been that way in terms of a ministry and, and, and somebody would say, you know, why don't you try this uh, or work with this? And uh, again, you need the power of God to say, you know, here's a message that God wants and it's important for people and it's important to you that somebody give this. Will you stand forward and give this message so that people will hear it? And, uh, and you know, you, you may say, I tried that once. Uh, I read the Bible once. Uh, I went to Bible school. I don't need to know anything else. Uh, I said a prayer once. Uh, whatever it is, you know, and, and we find out that, that all of a sudden we're going to lose all our friends. Well, we don't want to lose my friends. Uh, so you go back to what the world does. Uh, and then you look at it later and you say, I'm a failure. Uh, God is faithful, but I'm not. So they were facing this other giant called failure. Uh, they weren't looking for God's strength or direction. Uh, they were forced to admit that they were failures in the face of Goliath. They were still working in the flesh. So Saul, who had lost the power of God and hoped to encourage somebody else 
to take his place, uh, to be a champion, uh, you know, and what he offered was riches, uh, you know, and he, and he offered uh, his daughter in marriage, uh, showed you what kind of uh, position, you know, women had back then. Uh, don't say we're going to the dogs, maybe, you know, maybe we're, maybe today we're going back to what they were, but that's not what God had in mind. And also uh, tax exemptions. Well, this is the right time to be talking about tax exemptions. Everybody wished they had them, you know, around tax time. Anyway, Saul had to offer, all he had to offer were material benefits. So Second uh, Corinthians 5, 7 says, We walk by faith and not by sight. We're only failures when we're looking at the problem. All I see is the outside problem. Peter looking at the water saying, this, this, The waves are, are too much than I can handle. So Saul and his army were walking by sight, and all they saw was Goliath. They thought only of their own strength and never asked God for help or for deliverance. Uh, Zechariah 4.6, this is, this is one of those wonderful verses that we would teach in, uh, you know, in children's church. Uh, you know, Zechariah uh, said, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, he was the king at the time, uh, not by strength nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of armies. So it's God that makes things happen. If God wants this to happen, it will happen. If God uh, doesn't want it to happen, there's nothing we can do to oppose God's will. So Saul didn't have and couldn't offer the power of the Holy Spirit. He probably didn't know it when he had it. He just It was something that he thought was all of a sudden, I'm great, I'm good. And he lost his initial humility and become proud. All right, number five, only the Holy Spirit allows you to see from God's perspective. Uh, verses 26 and 27, uh, David spoke to the men who were standing with him. What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes uh, his disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You see where his sight was? This guy is an unbeliever. He doesn't believe in God at all. Uh, and he's defying the God of Israel who brought him, you know, all through, uh, you know, the wilderness and brought him into the land and, and, and gave them, uh, you know, power over their enemies. You know, who is this guy? The troops told him about the offer and concluding this is what will be done for the man who kills him. So I don't think David was interested in the riches. I don't think he was interested in, in uh, having one of Saul's daughters or whether he wanted tax exemptions. His whole thing was that uh, you just wonder, well, why haven't any of you responded to this? Why hadn't anybody taken this offer? And all David saw was a man who defied the living God and, and an Israelite army that didn't remove that disgrace from the land of Israel. What's going on here? So in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of mankind is a snare but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. So uh, I, I admit that some of these verses that I'm reading here are, are after uh, this incident, you know, with, with David and Goliath, but, but God has showed them some strong in so many ways uh, that, that this, uh, you know, should, that what we read in Proverbs would have been just a review. Okay, the number six, uh, don't be swayed by peer pressure. The only opinion that matters is God's opinion. Uh, boy, that, that made real to me the day I got saved. I had so many things that uh, 
should have sent me to jail, seriously. <laughs> uh, uh, and I thought, nobody saw me, I got away with it. But God knew about it. God was there. And, and I realized that I, when, I, when I sinned, I was sinning against God. And it was really God that mattered. It was God's opinion that mattered. So when I turned my life over to him, it, it was just like, I only have one person to answer to. You know, your kids have to, have to obey you. Uh, they got to obey their older brothers and sisters. They got to obey the bus driver. They got to obey their teacher. And they got so many people they got to obey, they can't keep it straight. But when you're with the Lord, you know that if you just do things uh, in obedience to him, that that covers everything that we do with others, with other people. Well, let's read about uh, peer pressure in David's life, uh, verses 28 through 30. David's oldest brother, Eliab, listened as he spoke to the men, and he became angry with them. Why did you come down here? He asked. Who did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Uh, I, I know your arrogance and your evil heart. You came down to see the battle. <laughs> and David said, what have I done now? You know, protested David. It, it was just a question. Now, how many times, you know, we, we respond to the fact that somebody is interested in a better way and, uh, you know, we treat them strangely and and when you come across as being different there are people who are going to ridicule you uh, i've been i've been disowned uh, uh, my godmother disowned me and my father disowned me uh, you know and but you look at that and you say it doesn't matter you know because god does not disown me uh, so what have i done well samuel had anointed david but david but only Samuel and God knew that David was to be the next king of Israel. David's brothers didn't. And Saul only knew that he had been rejected as king and that God had anointed somebody else, but he didn't know who it was. So First uh, Samuel 13, 14, Your reign will not endure. The Lord has found a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people, because you have not done what the Lord commanded. And uh, chapter 16, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance. He's talking about Eliab now. Do not look at his appearance or his stature because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees. For humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. Now David's three oldest brothers had no respect for their youngest brother, but God considered David to be a man after his own heart. God can see whether or not we're sincere in our decision to, to follow him. So when you walk in obedience to God, others will always judge your motives. Don't, don't think that, uh, you know, once you ask God into your life, everything's going to be, uh, you know, peaches and cream. Uh, people are going to say, uh, you know, they're going to ridicule you, but there are some people going to say, what makes the difference in your life? At which point... Uh, be ready to give an answer to them that asketh you a reason for the hope that within you. So uh, we're supposed to be different. Uh, we're not supposed to be like the world. We're supposed to be different from the world, so people will wonder why are we different. So uh, number seven, confidence in God is supremely more important than self-confidence and more important than confidence of others. So. Uh, Reading verse 31 to 39, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, so he had David brought to him. 
David said to Saul, don't let anyone be discouraged by him, meaning Goliath. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Well, uh, now it's a step more. In other words, not who's going to go, but he said, I'm going to go. But Saul replied, you can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a youth. And he's been a warrior since he was young. David answered, Saul, your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. He's just an animal, just a, just a nine-foot bear, I guess. I don't know. For he has defied the armies of the living God. Then Saul said, uh, then David said, uh, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And God said to David, and this is easy to say, and, uh, may the fourth, no, this, this is the sixth, isn't it? <laughs> Go and may the Lord be with you. That's easy to say, isn't it? But uh, I wonder if he knew what he was, you know, here we, we're going to take a boy out there and, and we could all be, uh, you know, under the, uh, the dominance of the Philistines all this time. But he had, you know, after 40 days, he had no alternative. But Saul had his own military clothes put on David. He put a bronze helmet on David's head and had him put in armor. David strapped his sword over the military clothes and tried to walk. Now, remember, Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. Okay, but he was not used to them. You know, he couldn't walk. I can't walk in these, David said to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. So here's David. Um, so David volunteers to fight Goliath. This is a step up from just saying, you know, I stand for the Lord. I'm willing to fight for the Lord now. So Saul's response to David was a youth confirms that he can only, that all Saul could look at was the outer appearance. David compared Goliath to lions and bears that God enabled him to kill. So Paul relents, you know, and he lets, Let's, but he, he insists that he try on his armor and sword. But David's ready to go right then. Uh, Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Finally, he strengthened, uh, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength, his vast, vast strength. Put on the full armor of God. And this isn't physical armor. This is spiritual armor. So that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our strength is not against flesh and blood but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. One of the things we looked at when we were going through the book of Esther was the fact that Satan would not, love nothing better than to uh, annihilate Israel. Uh, and that was the whole thing, the whole plot and, and the... Uh, and the book of Esther was that they were going to, that, that this, this descendant of Agag uh, was going to, uh, you know, take revenge and annihilate them. Uh, Egyptians wanted to annihilate them. Uh, you know, they wanted to kill Jesus, uh, you know, before he was born by having all the, all the male children, you know, all the children of, of, that were born in Egypt, you know, to be, be killed by the midwives. Uh, there's all kinds of plots uh, you even look at, uh, you know, as, as, as closely as the uh, Holocaust, you know, in Germany. But 
But the point is, God has a purpose for Israel. Uh, I don't know what it is. So we, we can read a little bit about, about it in the Bible. But, but God wants to show that, you know, anybody can be saved. And we know that. We're here today. So uh, the most, uh, David's most important weapon was a complete faith that God's, uh, that God's or Goliath's fight was with God. And he, David, was just an instrument that God would use to take away the reproach of, of Goliath's defiance. Just look at yourself as just a, a tool in God's hands. Uh, we're not God. We don't have the power of God. I mean, God's power works through us. Uh, you know, it's not like we are uh, superheroes, you know, that we read about today. So, uh, so finally, uh, point number eight, uh, the battle is God's. And a victory is God's. So I'll never forget when there's a victory, it's always God's victory uh, in us. Uh, starting from 40 to 52, instead he took the t- staff, and this is the best part, of course. He took the staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi, in other words, that's the, the dry, dry brook, and put them in his pouch in his shepherd's bag. And then with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistines. Looking up, he's not looking up to God. He's looking up to Goliath. Uh, the Philistine came closer and closer to David with the field shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he despised him because he was just like David's brothers, of course. He despised him because he was just a youth, healthy and handsome. And he said to David, "Am I a dog that you come against me with the sticks?" And he cursed David by his gods, Goliath's gods. Come here. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. Um, oh, well, first of all, come here, the Philistine says. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and of the wild beasts. So David said to the Philistines, You come against me with sword, spear, and javelin. Remember what we say, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. Okay, you come at me. Um, the sword, spear, and javelin, I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel, and you have defied him. Today the Lord will hand you over to me. Today I'll strike you down, remove your head, and give the corpse uh, of the Philistines' camps a camp to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. So, so we've gone to, why isn't somebody doing something, to I'm going to go, to actually stepping out into the battlefield, and now he's actually talking to Goliath like, you're, a, you're dead meat. You know, it's, it's already written. I mean, if nothing else, we'll, we'll, we'll get somebody like Goliath uh, to, uh, to just be, you know, complete anger. Uh, this is it. So, uh, whole assembly know that not by sword nor by spear uh, that God, that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's, he will hand you over to us. When the Philistines started forward to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in a bag, took out a stone, slung it, and hit the Philistine in his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down to the ground. David defeated the Philistines with a sling and a stone. David overpowered the Philistine and killed him without having a sword. David ran and stood over him. He grabbed the Philistine's sword, pulled it from his sheath, and used it to kill him. He cut off his head. When a Philistine saw that their hero was dead, they fled. So the men of Israel and Judah rallied, 
shouting their battle cry and chased the Philistines into the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. Uh, Philistine bodies were strewn all along and the Shehera'im uh, rode to Gath and Ekron. So David wasn't obviously as physically strong as Goliath and though David might have been an expert with a sling, he might have been, uh, God was his strength and God directed the path of that stone. So David knew the battle was God's and gave God the glory. Uh, so in terms of application, every, every problem we have in our life is a choice of whether we're going to look at the physical or whether we're going to look at the spiritual. Uh, each problem may involve combined effects of one or more of our weaknesses. Don't be surprised if you fix one weakness and you still have others. Uh, just keep working at it. Uh, God's willing to direct us, and he doesn't throw everything at us, at us at once. Uh, he gives us one thing at a time. So when you see that there's something that God has told you to do, uh, work on it. And then uh, always keep in your mind uh, that it may, you may fall again, but each time you fall, uh, God wants us to get back up. For example, the failure of Saul and his army involved fear, doubt, worry, discouragement, history of failure, uh, their reaction to David involved pride, resentment, anger. We, we can do the same thing. We see that somebody is doing either our job or a job that we know how to do. I mean, but they're doing it. But we have an idea uh, that we can do it better, really. Um, does that matter? Uh, Saul's future reaction to David would involve jealousy. Uh, defeating the giants that threaten our character... And when it threatens our character, it threatens our family. It's going to affect our church family. And it's going to affect our neighborhood. Because our testimony of the world uh, is going to be affected. In other words, they're going to be looking at us like, well, he says one thing and he does another. We, may, we need to make sure that we're living for God and he's directing our lives. We must be humble enough to admit that we all have these problems. And enough faith in God's promise that the Holy Spirit can help us to fix our lives, to be more mature, to become that perfect, uh, the mature person. That's what perfect means. It doesn't mean sinless or completely holy. It just means you're growing uh, spiritually. You're growing intellectually. Uh, uh, so you know, it might be just grow up, and that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be effective ambassadors of his. So no one wants to live in defeat, and victory only comes with those who diligently work out their salvation using the Holy Spirit's guidance. All right, well, let's, uh, let's forget uh, Romans 5 here. Uh, but the point is that the Holy Spirit was given to us to help us in each one of these. So, uh, so let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would have a willingness to commit our efforts to be spiritually mature. Uh, used by God as ambassadors in a world that needs to see the power of God displayed in man. Lord, we need to be like Sarah Groves uh, uh, sings. Uh, we need to be the moon. Uh, God's the sun, and what we want people to see is God's light reflected off of us. Uh, but without God's power, we're just a Without God's light, without God's truth, we're just a cold, dark stone. Uh, so, Lord, I, I just pray that you'd uh, encourage us 
as you always do with your Holy Spirit, to grow in you, to be able to see uh, that our interaction with other people may may demonstrate uh, problems that uh, need to be solved in our lives. So Lord, we thank you for that. And, and Lord, we, uh, we just pray that you'd bless the, uh, the time now that we have to uh, celebrate in communion. So Pastor Jim, would, would, you, uh, would you come up now and I'll...